Hello and welcome to a new episode of Other Record Labels. I'm your host, Scott Orr, where we talk about the art and culture of running an independent record label. Today's question is how many releases per year should your record label do? That means how many releases, whether that's singles, EPs, or full-length records, or remixes, or any type of release that is you know, somewhat traditional, uh, how many of them is the norm? Like, what is the norm? What do most labels do? What should you aim for? If you're a new label, what should you expect? So this is a great question, a very common question. In fact, I asked this question to our Facebook group. By the way, if you're not part of our private Facebook group, which is just for record labels, you got to join. It's been growing a lot lately and it's been super active. So come over and join us. If you're not a Facebook person, do what I did and create a fake account just to join the group without having to read grandma's conspiracy theories. Anyway, I posted this question. How many releases per year does your record label like to release? Maybe how many releases they aim for in a given year or how many they released last calendar year, for example. The first person to respond to my question said 500 releases a year. I kid you not. I laughed as others did, but it turns out they're serious. This label from Chile, and they've hit over 30 editorial placements, over 10 million streams. Now, I don't know how they do it or what type of releases, primarily digital, I would assume. Are these artists on their label signed or just for the single? I don't know. Either way, that's more than one release per day. Another response I got said they release something weekly. Even that is crazy in my opinion. I don't know. Maybe that's just because I'm old and getting tired very easy. Another label said once a month. Uh, another label said they do quarterly, so four times a year, um, with a few other little things sprinkled in here and there. I don't know if that's like, you know, summer, winter, spring, fall, that kind of thing, or if it's like, you know, two in the winter, two in the fall, nothing in summer, nothing at Christmas. I don't know, but four times a year. When I was in the later stages of my label, especially when I became busy with other record labels and my only free time was spent on my own music, I was doing the one major album release per year. That's just, that's all I could handle. I usually aimed in October. I liked releasing around that time. So I did one per year. So how crazy is this data? Just a few labels responded to my question. And already we have a representation from labels who release once a day, once a week, once a month, once a quarter, and once a year. If you don't like the sound of my voice and want to get this episode over with as quickly as possible, no offense taken. The short answer to this week's question is there is no answer. There is no one true answer. There's no consensus amongst record labels. You can do whatever you want, but let's unpack this a bit more if you have a second, and let me give you some things to keep in mind. Before I do, I'm contractually obligated to tell you about our friends at Infinite Catalog, although I love to tell you about them, a royalty management platform designed specifically for indie labels of all sizes and of all incomes. Now, yes, they're this week's sponsor, but even if they weren't, I would still sing their praises. So many folks in our community love Infinite Catalog and trust them with managing their royalties. It's super simple. You take this monthly or quarterly data that you get downloaded from Bandcamp or DistroKid or Symphonic, and you drop it into Infinite Catalog. Then they sort it all out nice and pretty and help you pay artists. So they're happy. You're happy. You didn't have to stress about royalties. Everyone's happy. You can get a special discount when you register through us, and you can even see a demo on how it works by going to infinitecatalog.com 
slash other record labels. That's infinitecatalog.com slash other record labels. There are five things I want to talk about today. Five things that I would like you to keep in mind when deciding how many releases per year you should do for your record label. Now, if you're listening to this in January, and this has, is not coming out in January, but if you're starting a calendar year, or maybe you're starting your own label's fiscal year, or it doesn't matter, you're just thinking about starting a label, and you want to start fresh, and you want to know the answer to this question, well, I don't think you should walk away with this episode with an actual number. Um, I think we should be open to spontaneity. We'll talk about that in a minute. Um, I think you should mold it and change it based on how you're feeling in life and based on how you think audiences are responding to things, how prolific your artists are. But let's talk about, let's talk about five things. First of all, it's most important that whatever schedule you pick, that you make sure it's sustainable. Maintaining a release schedule, that's what we're going to call this, by the way. A release schedule is like what you have planned. I used to have this piece of paper when I had lots of releases happening with my label. I used to have this paper I was just pinned to my wall and it was like, this is what's coming out in the next couple of, of months, really. And, and even it would go like six months to 12 months to 18 months knowing that a band is in the writing phases of a record. So we're going to call that a release schedule just to help you. I don't know if you call it something different, whatever. So maintaining a release schedule that doesn't lead to burnout is essential for the long-term success of your indie record label. And of course, for you as a person, because gosh, a huge percentage of our listeners are one-person operations. So there's a couple things to keep in mind when you are thinking about creating a schedule that's sustainable. We want to think about our pipeline. What do I mean by that? We want to evaluate our label's capacity to consistently deliver releases. So do you have enough artists or projects in the pipeline to sustain this chosen release frequency? So I think I have mentioned this over and over. I'll probably mention it a couple of times in this episode, but we launched my label in the fall of 2010, kind of haphazardly. I think we had one or two releases. Um, and then we were so busy working over Christmas and we hit the ground running and we dropped an EP in January that did really well and it was super fun. And then the end of January, we dropped a full length that did really well. Uh, and then in February, I think we had something else too. Yep. Yep. We wait, what was it in February? I can't remember. Anyway, April, May, June, bang, 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 July and August, nothing. September, we had three releases. October, we had one. November, we had one plus a compilation. Like it was crazy. It was absolutely crazy. It was literally easily the biggest mistake I made at the label because why? Is there a problem with releasing once a month or twice a month or once bi-weekly, whatever? No, that's not a problem. We already talked about that at the beginning. The problem was, was I used everything in the pipe. I used everything. We did not have that pipeline of artists or releases at the time we were doing the recording, mixing and mastering in our own record label studio. So obviously that required, you know, that was a bottleneck. And so the next year we did one EP and one full length. So we went from having 12 um, official releases with singles, not including singles. We had about 12 or 13 official releases in 2011. And then 2012, we had one and a half, one album and an EP and no singles. And so that's because I did not have 
the pipeline. So whatever schedule you pick, going back to the beginning, is it is it 500 a year? Is it four a year? Is it one a year? Just make sure you have that pipeline. So avoid overstretching your resources by planning releases that align with your available time or your budget uh, or your person power or the, the prolific creativity of your artists. Finally, another note on making your schedule sustainable is we want to prevent burnout. Overloading yourself with frequent releases can lead to creative fatigue from you and from the artist. It can it can relate to marketing fatigue, like, oh, these past 10 releases this year, we've tried everything, nothing worked, or we tried it all, it all worked. I just don't feel like thinking of a new thing. So there's a lot of different types of burnout. You know, for me, I didn't really, at the end of 2011, I didn't feel burned out. I just felt accomplished. I just felt like, well, that was a great year. I don't feel like doing it again. I felt like we had just, we had done everything. I patted myself on the back and I just, it's not that I was like burnt out, super tired, although I probably was, but I was just like, what's new? Like, I don't feel like doing that again because I've already done that. I was a creative person, even in business, and I wanted to try something new. And so we just want to protect ourselves from burnout and we want to consider what is in the pipeline. Number two, I want you to be intentional with picking a release date. So if you set a schedule that is release one album every month, what is your plan around that? What is your plan for summer? What type of records are you releasing in July and August or June? Or if you're um, somewhere else in the world, September, October, what is your plan for that? Because we know that people disconnect a little bit. Are you doing specifically summer releases? Are you doing a great summer compilation over that time period? What about over the holiday season in Christmas? So if you're doing monthly, that's cool, but do you have a plan for it? If you plan to give each record it's a proper release. Well, the record that comes out in December is going to suffer versus the record that comes out in January or February. And so if you are doing monthly releases, do you have a plan in place? And so if you are sitting at the end of December right now, listening to this, and I know all of you just like, once you finish a new episode, you go back and listen to everything two and three and four times um, because you love the sound of my voice. But if you're listening to this at the end of December and you're planning out your next year, If you're doing one release per month, you should know, okay, we're doing these great releases January, February, March, as we feel like people start to disconnect as the spring and summer arrive. Maybe we shift to doing a couple compilations or taking a chance on this one artist that we think will be a fit, blah, blah, blah. So just be intentional with your timing when picking a release date. Also avoid, um, I've, you know, talked about avoid avoiding releasing during periods with, with distractions. And, and I'm not just talking about the holidays and the summer, but also talking about major events, you know, like, um, an election or, um, something else that's, that you feel like is in your sphere that could be distracting. A lot of it's out of our control, right? If something happens on release date, even COVID, these things just happen. Um, it's out of our control, but be strategic and intentional when you're picking release dates. So if you're doing 500 releases a year, that could be a little tricky, but you know, as long as you have a strategy behind whatever you pick, like I have a strategy behind doing one album a year. My strategy is that I really like to release in the fall. My listeners kind of really resonate with the fall and with my music. And because I'm busy with this podcast, I can't do more than that. And I'm the one who's kind of feeding that machine right now anyway. So I have to, that's the best I can do. So I'm being strategic. Number three, 
Understand that each type of release deserves different levels of promotion. Now, you may disagree with this, and I'd be happy if you do. But I think we kind of need to think about this like diverse promotional strategies. Not every single release requires a massive rollout. If you have an album that is from one of your flagship artists that hasn't released something in two or three years, then you're going to do a big rollout. You're going to do vinyl and cassettes and CDs, and they're going to go on tour, and you're going to try to do a video, and you're going to do a couple pre-release singles and all that fun stuff. But if this band just released an album last year and you're just doing a deluxe, repressing a different color and throwing on a bonus track to the digital version, then that requires a little different promotion, right? You're not going to do a massive campaign. You may not do lead-up singles because you don't have the lead-up singles. You may not do a video or even a tour for the deluxe thing. This might be the band kind of hunkering down and starting to work on the next record and just trying to milk that album a little bit more by doing a deluxe. So understand that different types of releases require varying levels of promotion. Full-length albums demand extensive marketing campaigns while singles or digital only releases. I, I sometimes call them throwaway releases. I'm not being disrespectful to the art. You know that, but I, that's kind of how you view it in my mind. It's like, if this does great, good. If not, it's okay. Um, those type of releases might have a shorter lead time and maybe even less investment, of, of, often quite less investment. And so you allocate more time and planning for and promotion for major releases. Um, and then of course, not only that, and the reason why I bring this up, as point number three to consider when picking how many releases per year you should do. But you should balance these types of releases. So like I mentioned, um, talking about the label who does quarterly releases, I think if I were to be full-time at my label right now, uh, instead of talking to you, I probably would do quarterly releases because I think that's something I could really get behind and say, okay, this spring summer is dedicated to this artist. This fall season is all about this next release and so on and so on. And so I feel like that would really work for me. At the same time, that's like four major albums a quarter, but I would probably sprinkle in a single here, uh, a remix here, a little comp here. And so in the same way that we should look at all of our releases as they are and not give them all the same amount of effort, it there is some benefit to kind of giving our fans a little bit of... Um, variance in the types of releases we do and spacing them out, spacing out major releases. So none of them cannibalize each other. Um, and, uh, and going back to being a little bit strategic and intentional. Finally, well, not finally, but number four, <laughs> uh, this is penultimate, if you will, is save something for later. Reserve some of your releases for busy periods or for times when you're burnt out or, don't have something planned. So maybe a band brings you this, like, I don't know if this has ever happened to you, but we've talked about this with other labels on the show where an artist has made like an ambient or an experimental project. So let's say they're like a punk band, but they've made this electronic album and it's maybe electronic versions of their songs or they just complete and they want it. It's completely different music, original music, and they want to release it under a different name. Well, maybe you say to the artist, okay, let's take a look at our release schedule. We don't want this album to cannibalize your current album. We don't want it to cannibalize some of the other artists who have their major releases. This is kind of just an experiment, a throwaway, if you will, just something like a creative uh, expression for them. So we say, hey, listen, we've got nothing happening in December at the end of the year. 
this, that might be a great time to release something like this for people who don't want to listen to Christmas music or say, can we just hang on to it till next year and give it a proper release? And so keep a few releases if possible in reserve for busier times. I'm not saying like shelf an artist's record. It's, I'm talking about being more strategic with that. I'm not saying put it on the shelf and wait, but maybe if you have a compilation or maybe if you've taken like all the love songs from your record label, all the artists in your label. And you're like, I'm just going to sit on this till February. That'd be really cool. Or all the spooky songs and do a Halloween mix. I think uh, geographic North did that. And so just save something for later. I've talked about, um, like I, like I mentioned, going back to 2011 in my label, we did 12, 13 releases plus singles and whatnot. And, and then we did one and a half the following year. And I always think to myself, why didn't I do six in 2011 and six or seven in 2011 and seven in 2012 or better yet five in 2011, five in 2012, 2012 and another five in 2013. Instead, I, I, I don't know if I, what I had in 2013, like one maybe. So I always regret not just holding back. And I think the artist would have understood. I, I think if I said, listen, we had planned to release this in October. Can we sit on it till February? Um, because I don't want so-and-so's record to cannibalize or to take your spotlight. They would have been like, yeah, totally. That gives us more time to plan a tour and to make merch. So those are the big things like reserving something for when you need a release if possible, and then preventing cannibalization. You don't want your artists cannibalizing each other. Do you know what I mean? That would be gross. Number five, and most importantly, Cater to your artist's needs. Be flexible for artists. Recognize that artists have varying levels of creativity and productivity. Be flexible with your release schedule to accommodate prolific artists while respecting their creative process. Nurture their artistic vision. Vision. It's crucial to allow artists the time they need to produce their best work. So avoid rushing releases. This is where a schedule can get a little bit problematic. If we say... We're expecting quarter four, a release from so-and-so that could impact their creativity. At the same time, if so-and-so comes to you with a release that came out of nowhere, this happened to me. Um, all my anecdotes are about me, sorry. Um, but this happened to me. Like I was working on a record that I release every three years normally. And then all of a sudden I wrote a record in 10 days and recorded it and mixed it in 10 days. And I was like, I got to drop this. And luckily I know the label owner who is also me. And I was able to kind of like break up the schedule and drop something. I don't normally release things in spring, summer. I did it. It was an experiment. It was fun. It was crazy. But like, if I had a label, I would want a label to be open to that. When we talked to Barty Strange earlier this year, that was one thing that he kind of was really happy about with his, um, with his label 4AD is, is, and one of the things he kind of worked into the deal is like allowing me to be flexible and creative in that way. And so we want to make sure as record labels that we are doing that, that we are being open. We are not putting pressure on them. Um, there is a modicum of truth to the idea of being a coach and accountability um, person in, in their careers by saying, listen, if you want to release this record, I remember I did this back in 2011. There was this electronic band who wanted to release an album for back to school because it was this huge, like super fun dance record. And they just thought it would be such a great time. Frosh week, play some shows, like release something. And so we were meeting in the spring and I was like, this was going to be a digital CD only release. And I was like, guys, 
you got to have, and they were like hemming and hawing about the mixes. And this was in May. And I was like, just so you know, our distributor wants it a month ahead of time. So that's middle of August. Your mastering engineer has got tons of projects, so it's going to take them three weeks. So now we're middle of July and you want to be able to sit with the mixes for a little bit. So that's going to two to three to four months, four weeks if you want. So now that means you have to have the music done by the end of next month if you want it to drop at back to school time. And they were kind of like, oh, I never thought of that. You know what I mean? So there is some sort of accountability that you as a record label can do with your artists and just say, Listen, if you want this to come out in the fall because it f- sounds like fall music, then here's our deadline that we need to meet. And so anyway, cater to your artist needs, be a little bit of an accountability a person in their career, but at the same time, be flexible. Overall, remember that the key to a successful release schedule is finding the balance between maintaining engagement with your audience, nurturing artist relationships, so important, and ensuring sustainable growth or just sustainable growth. I don't know if that's like a proper way of saying it, just sustainability, like being able to show up consistently with something to show the people who follow your label. And you might be thinking, Scott, nobody follows my label. Well, that's not true. Like maybe one person, maybe I do. Maybe I expect something from you quarterly because, or maybe it's every summer, this label didn't I, did I talk about this recently? There's this label we've, have we had them on the show? No, we need to get them on the show. Did we have them on the show? I can't remember. Anyway, um, there was this label that releases this great dance compilation every summer and I've bought it all three summers in a row and I love it. And I, and now I'm kind of like waiting for it. I don't know if they're a massive label or not. I don't know if there's other people waiting for this comp, but I depend on this comp. So sustainable, sustainable growth, who cares? Just sustainability is most important for your record label. Flexibility, strategic planning, and strong understanding of your label's capabilities will guide you in determining the right number and frequency of releases per year, whatever that is. Before we end, so far we've been talking about record labels that have a consistent release schedule, regardless of how many albums they release. But what about labels who release 12 records one year, two records the next year, like me, and then none the following year, and then 24 releases the next year, and so on? I think consistency is good for a lot of reasons. I've talked about that here in our books and in our courses and I've talked about it just with that example I just gave you, I think it establishes trust and confidence in your audience. I think when a label is consistently pumping out great records of a specific genre with some sort of release regularity, I think fans of that label will attach themselves to a label like that more so than a label with a sporadic or unpredictable release schedule. I just gave you an actual example of a label that I'm a fan of not through this podcast, just as a fan of music. And I, you know, is there consistency? Does it breed trust? Whatever. It just breeds excitement. Like every summer I look forward to this comp. So I do think some level of consistency is important. Be it one release a year that your fans get excited about or one release per month, like a record club. Having said that, this is a caveat. As you'll remember from the beginning of this episode, there are no rules. There are so many labels that are trying so many different types of release schedules and quantities. Let that be you too. Don't feel you have to give in to any sort of 
quantity or total amount of releases for a given year. If you want to be sporadic or just be a label that accommodates your own life needs or curation process, go ahead, be free. I think I'll put the notes of today's episode um, at, I need a URL, help me out here, otherrecordlabels.com slash quantity. Is that weird? Otherrecordlabels.com slash quantity. I've said it, so now that's what it is. Otherrecordlabels.com slash quantity. You can watch this as a video episode. You can read the notes if you just want to think them over. And of course, the notes go out in our weekly newsletter. So make sure you get that. If you don't have time to to listen to the pod, you can just get the digest version uh, in our weekly newsletter. And a huge thank you to our friends at Infinite Catalog. Um, the best royal, royalty accounting platform out there for indie labels of all sizes, of all incomes. A huge thank you to them for sponsoring today's episode. And be sure to go to infinitecatalog.com to learn more about them. And if you want a discount to get started and to see a little walkthrough tutorial, go to infinitecatalog.com slash other record labels. Thanks so much for listening. <laughs>